saying, you know, as I was just sitting there thinking, the same God, okay? I mean, kind of put that into your brain a little bit. The same God that called Abraham, the same God that worked with David, the same God that, that spoke to the apostles speaks to us today, okay? And um, that's an important thing to remember that as we open up, and I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to John 13, that we're not just opening up a, a textbook, okay? It's not like I'm, I'm the, the social studies teacher saying, hey, open up your civics book now, or, or the history teacher saying, open up your history book. I'm, I'm a, a pastor encouraging you opening it up, to open up the very word of God. And, and we want to believe that as Jesus, God in the flesh, spoke to these men, that when the Holy Spirit then spoke to them years later, when they wrote as they were inspired, gave us the words of God. And that this word that we're seeing now is the same word then, and it's the same word now. Can you believe that? All right? And so today, we're looking at John 13. We're finishing up chapter 13. And last week, we were looking at G Judas is, has now left the building, all right? And he doesn't get a send-off like Elvis did. Um, he has left, and he is on his way to go betray Jesus. It, it's that time of the night. And um, now that Judas is gone, the elephant of the room is left, Jesus, I believe, now relaxes. Because now he starts to teach again. And, and he's going to show, and he's teaching these guys the, 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 the importance of loving one another. And, and that's what he says. And I'm actually jumping off of this one verse. Is He talks about, he's like, guys, I'm gonna, I, I, I need you to do something. I need you to love one another as I have loved you. Now, as I read that, as I read verses 31 through 38, that's where I'm looking, going with today. But that one verse seemed to blossom for me. And it was the idea of Jesus saying, as I have loved you. And got me thinking, well, how did Jesus love? Okay. Well, here's the thing. There are five things in these verses that I see that teaches us about the love of Christ. Even though we only see love mentioned in one verse, you see the love of Christ in all of these verses. And so there are five things that I believe we can see about the love of Christ. And so here's the first thing that I think we can learn about how we can love like Jesus and, and learn about the love of Christ. And here's the first one. Love is to be vertical. The first thing about love is it is to be vertical. And so Jesus in verses, starting in verse 31, he says, when he had gone out, Judas has now left the building. Jesus said, now he's going to start teaching the 11. He's going to start having a nice long conversation with these 11 once again. It says, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. 
Stop there. Now, you may look at it and go, Jim, that has nothing to do with love. Yes, it does. All right? And then I'm going to unpack this and show you how it has to do with love. Notice, what's one word that just keeps popping out in those uh, couple verses there? Glorified or glorify. All right? And, and so that, those words, glorified or glorify, it means to exalt, to elevate, to honor, to praise. All right? First, Jesus talks about himself, how he himself is going to be glorified. Because if you notice how he says it, he says, now is the son of man glorified. He's talking about himself. He says in verse 32, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself. He's talking about himself. He's like, he's like God's going to glorify me and glory is going to come out of me and, and I'm going to be glorified. Well, how in the world is he going to be glorified? What, what picture is he painting here? He's talking about when he goes to the cross. Now think about that. Jesus is saying here in a matter of hours, I'm going to be glorified in my lowest place. The most worst time of my life, the, the lowest place of my ministry, on that cross, in my death, I am going to be glorified. But how can he be glorified at his weakest moment? How can he be glorified at his lowest place? Here's why. Because Jesus on that cross fulfills his mission. He's going to be glorified because the mission that he came for, what was Jesus' mission? Save people. Jesus told the disciples, I have come to seek and save the lost. That is my mission. My mission wasn't to come to make you millionaires. My mission wasn't to make, come and make you healthy and wealthy. My mission was to come and save you from your sin. On the cross, that mission is accomplished. On the cross, he's going to be glorified because he's going to um, radiate the love of God to all people. Now, how is the love of God radiated and shown and glorified through Christ on the cross? Because that's what he said. Jesus says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his only son to do what? Die. To die where? On a cross. You see, Jesus dies on a cross and it fulfills his mission, but it shouts the love of God. It tells everybody, God loves you. You don't deserve anything from him because you're sinners. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for sin. Jesus is going to be glorified on that cross because redemption has been paid. The redemption of man has been accomplished. We could not get ourselves to God. We are lost forever. We are the sinners. Our sin separates us, as Isaiah says, from God. We're separated from God. There's no hope. We can't get to God's glory. We fall short of God's glory. But through the, the death of Christ on that cross, redemption is accomplished. And for anybody, Jesus says redemption is for anybody. And eternal life is for anybody who puts their faith in me. 
Jesus glorified. But that still doesn't show love here. Here's now where love comes into this picture. Because not only does Jesus, is Jesus going to be glorified, but look what he says here. Look at verse 31 again. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God will be glorified through him. That's the picture of love now. God is going to be glorified through me. I'm just not going to be glorified because of what I'm doing on the cross, but now God is going to be glorified through what I do. You see, Jesus loves the Father because he's going to bring glory to the Father. The question is, is how does he bring glory to the Father? Through what? Through what? Obedience. That's how God's going to be glorified through Jesus. Because when Jesus was in the garden, he prayed a very specific prayer. My will not be done, but yours. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, when he decided, when he made that decision, it's not about me, God. Father, it is not about me in one iota. It is all about you. And I will be obedient all the way through this thing. The moment I'm arrested to the moment I give my last breath on that cross, I will be obedient to you. And through that obedience, God was glorified. Because obedience brings glory to God. When Jesus made that decision, I'm going to do the will of God. No matter what it costs me, no matter what it's going to bring into my life, I'm going to do the will of God. God is glorified. And he's glorified because the son loves the father. And through the love of the son for the father, the son brings glory to God. And the son brings glory to God through obedience. Now, how does that apply to you and me? How do you and I bring glory to God? Lift your voices. Obedience. Obedience. Oh my gosh, the big O word. We let's just be honest. We're Christians. How many of us love the word obey? We don't. Okay. We the word obedience or obey almost becomes a stigma in the church because people will say this. Well, with grace. And God loving us, it's not about obedience. It's about grace. It is about grace. But because of grace, guess what I do? I obey. And obedience isn't, and, and I think we, 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 we get this weird idea that obedience is just, you don't smoke and you don't go to movies. And it's all about these weird, dumb rules that man makes up. And it's not obedience, it's taking the word of God and going, God, it's about what you want me to do. What what, what does God want me to do? And, And the idea to bring glory to God is if I love the Father, and I would hope that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it's not just you saying God loves me, but I love God. I love the Father. And because I love him, 
I want him to receive glory through me. So the obvious question is, is how does God get glory through you? Through obedience. So here's how God gets glory. The idea is, is that when you and I become a, a follower of Christ, when you come to know Christ, your next step is then I start to grow in Christ. It's not just coming to know him and then continuing to live how I want. I come to know Christ and then I grow in Christ. And as I grow in Christ, the one thing that should start to change is my heart's desires. You see, Jesus' heart's desire, was it for himself or for the Father? It was for the Father. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. So as a believer in Christ, as a follower of Christ, guess what my heart's desire is then? Father, I want to obey you. Father, I want to live to the best of my ability. I want to walk like Christ. I want to live like Christ. I want to act like Christ. I want to talk like Christ. I want to sound like Christ. Are you going to do it perfectly? No. But should you progressively be doing that? Absolutely. Paul tells us in Philippians, he's like, you know what? I want to be perfect, but I'm not there. I'm far from being there. So here's what I do. Every time I mess up, I look back, but then I forget about what I've done. And what I do is I keep pressing ahead. And his pressing ahead was so he could attain perfection. That was his goal. And his goal was that was simple. I want to be perfect because of what Jesus has done for me. This is why Paul writes in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, look, in view of the mercy of God, in view of what Jesus has done for you, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And here's why. It's a spiritual act of worship. Worship, and, I, and, who's, and I, I can't remember, maybe it was Blaine who prayed it. Worship is not just singing through a couple songs. Paul has said it, and, and, and it's not just singing a couple songs. Worship is elevating the name of Christ. And I just defined what glory and glorified is. It means to elevate. It means to exalt. It means to honor, to praise. So when you and I are worshiping, guess what we're doing? Glorifying Jesus Christ. We're bringing glory to God. And so as I live my life the way you and I love the Father and how my love is vertical is by how I live horizontal. The more I live like Christ, not perfectly, all right? But my desire is when I sin, guess what I want to do? God, forgive me. God, I don't want to be there, man. I don't want to act like that. I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to be there like, God, help me. Holy Spirit, give me the strength to live more like Holy Spirit, give me the strength to want to act like Christ. Holy Spirit, give me the, the strength to not talk like that anymore. I want to be righteous and holy for your glory. That's what bringing glory to God is. And the reason why we bring glory to God is because my love is vertical. And when my love for the Father is vertical, it's going to affect what I do horizontal. And so 
The first thing we see about love is that it needs to be vertical. Here's the second thing. Love will be costly. It's going to be vertical, but at times it's going to be costly. God's love for people costs him what? No, God. His son. Jesus' love for people costs him what? His life. Okay? So it, love costs God something. Love costs Jesus something. Are you exempt? Nope. If you and I love, if we love the Father, that's where it starts, and I love Jesus, then that will flow into loving people. And as I love the Father and as I love Jesus, that's going to cost me, okay? Because um, the way I love the Father is not just verbally, okay? Yeah, we say, Jesus, I love you. But how do we truly show Jesus we love him? By things we do. And those things come out horizontally by how we do it with others. So as I love the Father, as I love the, the Son, I love his church. And let's be honest, it, love costs. If you truly love people, it's going to cost you some time, right? You love your spouse. When was the last time that it didn't cost you time? Because it takes time to spend with them. If you love people, it's going to cost time. But guess what else it may cost? Resources. It may cost you money. Because there are times where, where you, you see a need, and in, and in order to meet the need and you really love people, it may cost something. Money. It, it, it costs my time, it costs my resources, it costs my talents. You know, it, it, if you've got a talent, a skill, an ability, and you're a great plumber, an electrician, you know how to cook, and you know someone needs a meal, it's going to cost you your talent because you can cook a great meal. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. Why? Because love is costly. Then that love is costly flows right into the third point, which is what makes it costly. And it's this. Love is active. So love is costly because as Jesus has been saying, he, 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 he says, I'm going to be glorified on the cross. Now look at verse 33 and verse 34. He says, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, and now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. You see, that's the cost for Jesus because he's going to the cross. And they can't come there, not yet. But look at verse 34. Now here's the active part. A new commandment I give to you, that you love 
one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. That's the active part. It's going to be costly because in order to really love, love is not in a vacuum. Love just isn't, hey, love you, brother. Love you, sister. Have a great day. And you just move. No, love is at times, it's got to be active. That's why he's saying, love one another. But notice he says, um, a new commandment I give you. Why is this a new commandment? Love one another. I mean, it's not like these guys had never heard that they are to love. Because do you remember when Jesus was asked, hey, what's the greatest uh, commandments? What did Jesus tell? Do you remember? Love God and love others. So it's not like these guys had never heard this message. It's not like they didn't know what the Old Testament said. They knew they were to love God, to be vertical, and to love others and be horizontal. But now here Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another. Why is that new? Because of what was about to start. The newness of something was about to start. What was about to start? The church. That was new. That had never been seen before, talked about before, heard before, and now Jesus is like, something is about to take off, guys. That's why you need to wash each other's feet. You see, this is why you got to learn to serve one another. And, and something's about to happen, guys, and this is why you've got to love one another. Because once the church explodes, and in this moment, they still were clueless. In this moment, they're like, I don't know what he's talking about. But after he ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit comes down, the church explodes. Now, all of a sudden, they've got to learn how to serve one another. They've got to learn how to love one another. Why? Why does the church have to serve one another? Why does the church have to love one another? Here's why. Because the world's not going to do it. The world's not going to take care of the church. When was the last time that, that, that people in the, the community or the culture calls up the church and says, hey, we see you're struggling. Can we come and serve in the church? Can we give our money to help pay for the bills in the church? Hey, can we, you know, lead the small groups? No, the culture does not take care of the church. Guess who takes care of the church? The church. Okay, so if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the church represents what of Christ? The body of Christ. When you become a member, a, a believer in Jesus Christ, you become, become a member of what? The body. You become part of the body. A finger, a toe, an arm, an eye, an ear. I don't know what you are, but you are a member of the body of Christ. And in order for the body of Christ to take care of itself, to heal itself, to strengthen itself, to build itself up, guess who has to take care of it? The body of Christ. That's our job. So our job is to love one another. You see, this is why it's going to be costly. You see, this is why if my love is vertical, 
First and foremost, if my love is vertical, I love the Father and I love the Son. If I love them, again, if I love them, guess where it's going to show? In his body. Because loving the Father is not me just praying, God, I love you. And then I just go on and do what I want and live how I want, act how I want, behave how I want. But Jesus, I love you. And then do, no, Jesus, I love you. And here's how I love you. I'm going to serve the body. I'm going to love the body. So the question is, is how do you and I practically every day, how get in this class participation time? All right. All right. Class participation time. How do we, do we, the body of Christ, how do we love one another? Give me some practical things. How do we do that? How? Meals. Encouragement. Pray. Serve one another. Help them out. Encouraging. Spend time. You guys are hitting the nail heads. That's what we do. That's how we love one another. All right? Now, you notice Jesus says to all 11 of them, love one another. He did not look at Peter and go, Peter, you're the next pope. You love everybody. You take care of everybody. And let these other 10 just, you know, hang out. No, he says, you all love one another. And here's the thing, they then would have to teach the body to love one another. Now, why is that important? Because I cannot love everybody. Doesn't mean I don't, but I can't. But yet there are some people, and I'm telling you, we've had people leave this church because they did not manage their expectations correctly. Their expectation was, I want you, Pastor Jim, to be my best friend all the time. In fact, we've had, we've had, a, a, we've, we had a couple leave this church because I was not part of his small group. I was in a small group and I was teaching a men's group. But he felt like if I truly loved him and and I was a loving pastor, and he said, he goes, I need my pastor in my small group. And I go, then you've got wrong expectations. I go, you can't be, I go, it's not about me loving you only. I go, it is about you being in that small group and being loved by the other guys in the group. I go, that's what loving one another is about. And he didn't want to hear it. Ended up leaving the church over that. And that's not the first time. Loved ones, listen to me. I will pray with you. And I will go out to lunch with you and talk about ministry. I will come and visit you at the hospital. I will, come, I will do whatever I can. But I cannot meet every single need of yours. If you feel like you need to be loved by people, you've got to get past me and you've got to let everybody love you. It's the way it works. That's why Jesus did not say, Peter, you're going to be the rock. You do this thing. He says, no, all 11 of you love one another. So I guess all of you, we all got to love one another. 
I need you to love me. I'll love you. But guess what? Alex and Denise, they need to be loved and they need to love people. Hope and Harold, they need love, but they need to also love people. So guess what? There are times if you hear of someone, you read the prayer request and you know someone just had surgery. Don't think, well, that's the pastor's job to call them. I do call them or I go visit them. But guess what? Guess, hey, I'm just, how are you doing? Send them a text. Is there anything you need? Do, can, do you need a meal or anything? That's how you love one another. That's how you serve one another. When you know there's a need that, that's in the church or somebody needs, you know, Adam and Abby are going to need people to help with that summertime. Guess how you love them? By stepping in to serve with them. Helping them out. Now, that doesn't mean you're called to children's ministry. All right? But it's just, hey, I see a need. I'm going to love on them and help them out. Now, I'm not saying that so that way now they have 50 people. Wow, Jim, he told me to help him. I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to get you to understand that loving one another means, guess what? I just can't show up and sit in my chair, then go home. It is the responsibility of all of us to love one another. And if the church doesn't take care of the church, the church is going to suffer. And it is our responsibility as believers in Christ that we are pouring into this thing. We are building up the body of Christ. We are strengthening the body of Christ. We are serving the body of Christ. And we are loving one another. Number four. Here's why we have to love one another. And it's the fourth reason about love. And it's this. Love is to be observable. So Jesus says, I need you guys to love one another. And verse 35 gives them, he gives them the reason why they are to love one another. He says, if you love one another, verse 35, by this, meaning you loving each other, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You notice Jesus doesn't say, here's how people are going to know if you believe in me or not, by you um, loving outside the church. By loving people. Now, does that mean we don't love people? No. But he says, here's how people will know that you are truly my disciples. How you love each other. I mean, think about that for a moment. How many people have had enough excuses as to why they don't need to go to church? Man, I don't need to go to church. I, uh, I fight with enough people. I don't need to go to church and get in another fight. I mean, if you talk to a lot of unbelievers, first, you're going to hear the word hypocrite. And second, they're going to be like, they, they, just, they fight all the time. The churches are always like bickering and angry and divided. Why do you think the Bible talks about division being so bad in the church? Because it, it, it shows that the church can't get along. It shows that Christians are always fighting and ugly. And, and, and Jesus is like, that's going to show unbelievers a bad picture. And so if you want people to really see the church for who we are, guess what we got to do? Love one another. We got to, you may not like each other a lot, because that, that's family, isn't it? I love you, but oh my gosh, you're on, you know. But we got to learn to love each other. That, and, and, and here's the thing. It's hard. It really is. 
All right, let's just, let's just be honest. Loving each other's hard. It gets difficult. But here's the thing. If I want to fight, though, I'm going to leave a bad stain. And that's why when you hear churches getting in fights over things like color of the carpet, or, or should we have video screens, or, or should, should, we wear, should the pastor wear a robe or jeans? What should, you know... Some of the things that we fight over is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm going to be honest. I'm very thankful. For, I mean, I'm, you guys really make my job easy right now because you guys are awesome. I love this church, okay? And, and you, that's why sometimes these messages, I'm like, God, I, I got to preach it because it's just next to the text. But you guys are doing well. You are loving each other, I truly believe. And, and there's no infighting going on. There's no, you know, thank you. We got to keep that in mind that we got to remember. And here's the thing. When people visit this church, guess what they've got to see? The love of Christ and the love for each other. They got to believe. And at Easter time, um, someone had filled out a register. And I'm going to give you two examples. We had, we had a guy visiting. He's come a couple of times. He hasn't been back in a while. But he came a, f- a few times, and he was sitting out in the foyer. And he was sitting, and this, it was like his second week, third week or something like that. And he was all by himself with his son. And I went up and said hi to him and welcomed him back and everything. And I'm, I can't remember who did, who, you remember me if you remember this situation, raise your hand. Because I remember I talked to two guys. I think one was maybe JR. And was it you, Blaine? Okay, maybe it was JR and Blaine. And they were at the, the counter talking. And I walked up and I go, hey, guys, do me a favor. Go, you see the guy over there? I go, his name is Dan. I go, he's come here a couple times. I go, he's all by himself. I go, would you guys go up and just introduce yourself, welcome him and everything? And both of them, the guys... Both JR and, and Blaine looked at me and go, we already did. And I'm just like, you guys are awesome. I'm like, way to go, you know, but they already did. Well, at Easter, we got a, a register, um, sign, you know, filled out. And it wasn't a prayer request. It was just the guy on the register said, I want to say thank you. The moment I walked into this church, I felt the love of Christ from everyone in it. They made me feel welcomed. And this guy is a, is a brother of someone in our church who has walked away from the church, um, not, doesn't, not living for Christ or nothing. But he was just like, thank you. I felt the love of Christ from everyone in the church. I felt welcomed. I just, he goes, and the message answered a lot of questions of mine. Thank you, and I appreciate it. And I was just like, that's what it's about. That we're loving one another. So when we have people who come visit us, guess what they feel? They feel that love. Because not only, and, 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 I, and this is why I keep trying, you know, I've hammered this a lot, that we just don't, to our own little holy huddle, but we allow the love of, that we have for each other to overflow to people who come and visit us. So that way, if they don't, if they don't stay, they don't stay. I, I don't expect everybody who visits us going, well, this is my church after the first day. People will come and stay. People will come and then, nope, that's not for me. And that, that's this church. 
But I don't want anybody to leave this church and go, man, that church, they don't love anybody. I want people to say, thank you. The moment I've walked into that church, I felt the love of Christ and those around me. So church, thank you so much for being that way. But love has to be observable. And then lastly, love is at times challenging. It's going to be challenging, not as in hard, but conveying it to other people. So in verse 36, it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterward. He's talking about the fact that I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die and, and, and then eventually go to heaven. But in the context, he's saying to Peter, he's like, Peter, um, you're going to follow me one of these days in his death. Because church tradition believes that Peter was crucified. And so Peter would follow in his death after Jesus. But in verse 37, Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Man, Peter's just throwing it off now. He's just like, oh, I'm all gumption's coming out. I'm like, oh, Here's who I am, Jesus, man. I'll lay my life down for you. Now, you think Jesus, being Jesus and loving, because we know from the beginning of chapter 13, it says that Jesus loved his own and loved him to the end. So in this context, is Jesus still loving Peter, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Big love for Peter. So you would think that Jesus being, you know, all gracey and all lovey would be like, oh, Peter, thank you, man. I appreciate that. You're a good guy. Let's go, man. And then put his arm around him. Let's go, let's go for a walk. I really appreciate it. No. Jesus is like, because I love you, dude, here's what I got to say to you. He says, Jesus answers him, will you lay your life down for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. That's love. That in love, Jesus had to look Peter right in the face and go, dude, you better check yourself because you're not going to lay your life down for me. And he had to challenge him. And he had to go, I love you, but you're going to deny me. You see, the love of Christ could not, it, the love of Christ was not like, well, I don't want to offend Peter. I don't want to make him upset, so you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to just let, let, it, let that lie and just, you know, let's talk about something else, Peter. No. It's like, Peter, I love you, but here's what you're going to do, and it's going to be hard for you. He had to confront that. He had to challenge that because he loved him. And you know what? God does the same thing to us. And I'm going to look at this. I'm going to close with these two thoughts. One is that God does that to you and I. That the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin. As I said earlier, that God's love is not a pampering love. It is a perfecting love. When you come to know Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells within you, the only job the Holy Spirit has within you is to change you and transform you more and more and more into the image of Christ. And when that is 
happening because you and I are sinners still. We're still wrapped in flesh. So when you and I get selfish and we still want to sin and we want to do it our way and act our way, talk our way, behave our way, guess what the Holy Spirit's going to do? It's going to poke you. When you hear a message and, 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 and there could be something I didn't even knock on the door in your life right now and the Holy Spirit's poking you. And you'd be like, why is Jim talking about that? Why did, did you talk to Jim about that this week? Why is he, you ever feel like that sometimes? Because the Holy Spirit's poking you. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your life. I don't need to know. The, God, the, the, the word of God through the spirit of God knows exactly where to poke you. And the Holy Spirit will poke you and poke you and poke you. And he's going to keep talking to you. He's going to keep convicting you because the idea is, is that you and I will have our eyes open and go, why am I doing that? I don't want to be acted out. And Jesus, change me. God, forgive me. And we keep trying to be more like Christ. But the Holy Spirit will convict us in that. Now, understand this. There is a difference between conviction and shame. A lot of people feel shame and it's not the Holy Spirit. You see, conviction is the Holy Spirit whispering to you. That's wrong. Don't talk like that. Don't act like that. You should have done that. You should have treated that person that way. Let's do better in that. Here's what the word of God, and it takes, the, and it makes you, it, 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 it pinpoints something in your life, and you're like, I don't want that. Shame comes from the enemy, and shame is you're worthless. You're horrible. You're bad. You're no good. If those are the thoughts you're having when you mess up, I'm worthless. I'm such scum. I hate my life. Why, you know, that is not the Holy Spirit. That is the enemy lying to you. The Holy Spirit will never tell you you're worthless. The Holy Spirit will never tell you God does not love you. The Holy Spirit will never tell you you're beyond reach. The Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin. It will try, it wants to change you and it will make you, it'll, it'll give you that like, like you ever eat something you get that bad, I mean, that's the Holy Spirit, that bad taste in your mouth. Like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Man, I had an opportunity to do good and I didn't do it. And you just get that. Okay, I'm going to do better next time. But, the Holy, but when the, the enemy is shaming you, you feel like you're, you're, like it's, like you're throwing up. You're like, you're like, I want to vomit. And the Holy Spirit puts you to shame. So if you're feeling the shame, the worthlessness, the, 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 the hate, self-hate and stuff, that's the enemy. And you got to be quick to go, no, I am not buying that. I'm not believing that. That's a lie. And you got to go back to the Holy Spirit and you got to be like, just keep showing me. What am I, as Paul says, or as, as David says in, in, in Psalm 139, examine me. Just show me, Holy Spirit. Is there anything that, that's just not good right now? Test me in this. But there's a difference between conviction and, and shame. But here's the other thing. It's not just the Holy Spirit doing it to us and God bringing it to us. There are times when it's got to be Christian to Christian. And we got to challenge someone. 
when someone is living in just open, blatant, sinful action. I'm not saying we're, we're, we're sin police. We're not going around going, okay, who's doing what? Let's find it out. No, you know, if I'm an Adam, I'm gonna use you for example. Adam is an elder leader in this church. If I found out that Adam was all of a sudden like cheating on his wife, what's the, what's the, the loving thing is to do what? Well, Adam will figure that out. Adam, I'm going to love on you, man. You do what you need to do. And, or is it going, Adam, what are you doing? Adam, man, you can't be doing that. You need to get back with your wife, knock it off, and then we have a hard conversation. That's the loving thing. Because Paul tells us there are times that we got to speak truth in love. Galatians tells us that when, when those of you who are spiritual, meaning mature believers, and you see someone in sin, you are to say something to restore them. Peter and, 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 Peter and, and Paul got into it. Paul is looking at Peter one time, and Peter is acting like a hypocrite. He's around Jewish people, and he acts like a Jew. And then he's around um, non-Jewish people, and he's acting like them. But when he's around these non-Jewish people and their Jewish friends show up, he's like, oh, I can't be around you. And he's like going back and forth. And Paul's like, dude, you are such a... And he says he confronted him face to face. He's like, what you're doing is wrong. You can't do that. And so there are times where as a believer, if you got a good friendship with someone, you, you're, 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 you, know, you, you just see someone, they're, they're living just blatantly wrong lifestyle in sin. The loving thing to do is to go to them. Talk with them. Now, if they reject you, they reject you. But we can't cover it up. We can't pretend that it's okay. I'm not going to, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to upset them. Got to confront sometimes, and that's hard. But you see, there are times where love is challenging. That's how we are to love. All right? Why don't we stand? Let's, let's close in a word of prayer. I'm just going to close this in prayer, all right? So, Father, we are so grateful and thankful for who you are. We just are so grateful for your love and mercy toward us. And help us to love better. I know we all can do better. We, we, we are probably all coming up short in so many ways. I just pray, Father, that you would be glorified through us by how we live and act and, and that we can just bring glory to Jesus and... And Lord, we would just be people loving one another. Loving one another so people outside the church can see that love. And um, Lord, we want to we wanna be better at it and help us to do that. So God, we just thank you that we've been in your house today. We just thank you that you've been moving in our hearts and that your word has been active. And Lord, we've just been in your presence. Lord, as we go away this week, help us to love. And we just thank you and praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.